Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So today is a bridging Sunday in the life of the church here at Crozet United Methodist Church. We are concluding our worship series on what now, which was born and inspired and certainly informed by our experience of not only the pandemic and the campaigning and then an election, but also by the reality that whether something is triumphant or tragic in our lives, we are often left saying, what now? And so we turned to the scriptures and we found multiple people throughout the Bible who had asked kind of that same question, whether explicitly or implicitly, and then took our cue from them. What do we do? We've seen various ways that we can respond, either by recommitting to God or staying the course. And today is all about the power of prayer. If this had been pre-COVID-19, this would be a day in the life of this church where we would gather for a service of prayer and anointing. Prayer because we are called not just to be connected to God, but connected and united with one another. And anointing, which is a tangible and physical sign of God's blessing, encouragement, and presence with us and through us for others. But it is also a day that bridges the beginning of Advent, which means coming or arrival. And it is a time when the church and Christians all over the world are preparing for the annual celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we are doing that, perhaps you have already begun to decorate your homes inside and out, and you start to see the decorations emerging in the world and in your neighborhood, then you might already be starting this transition but it might not look and feel like it ever has before. And so perhaps the question, what now, is more pertinent than ever. And as we do this, we are drawn back into the book of Psalms, which was a book of songs. And it's hard for us in the English to appreciate the melody and the harmony and the rhyme scheme of the original Hebrew. But what certainly does resonate is the sentiment of the words. And that is that the psalmist, like most of us, looked around and saw a disparity between those who were intentionally spiritual and religious and seeking to do God's will and those who seemed to be successful by earthly standards. The psalmist was struggling to be faithful to God and to do what God had asked and then looked and saw people who were not at all concerned about God, God's will, or certainly any covenant, and they seem to be surrounded in riches. They seem to be flourishing and successful by earthly standards. They had things like beautiful garments, fatness in form, sleek and sound. They seem to have everything that a person would want. But our psalm is dealing with something that those of us who are on this faith walk recognize. It's not a perfect walk. We might stumble. We might slip. But as we are journeying, we do not go alone. God is very much with us and for us. And we serve a God that doesn't want us to be alone. God also sends others to journey with us. 
Some journey as clergy, most journey as laypersons like yourself. And the beauty of the story that we have encapsulated in this song is that even when there is trouble reconciling what we think and feel should happen to those that completely disregard God's will and commandments, we see that the world is not yet a just place. That there are those who think that they can be willfully disobedient, they can disregard God, and they can do things their way. And the psalmist is struggling with that. There's actually a subset of theology called theodicy that deals with this very same thing. How can a good and powerful God allow a world to be filled with injustice? How can people that thumb their nose at God still have success and power and wealth and health if they completely disregard what we are called to be and do? And that's a struggle that Christians have had for so long that we spend a lot of time talking about the problem of evil. And the truth is that there's no perfect, succinct answer to it. But we see it time again referenced in the Bible. And we feel it today in the psalm. That's because we recognize that we live in a world where every person is empowered. We have been given not only gifts and graces and time and talent, but the means by which we can enact God's will or our own. And when we time and time again choose our will over God's, not only are we sinning, but we tend to give rise to evil. That is the ramification of sin that leeches into the world, causing pain and suffering for not just ourselves, but others. And because of that, Christians and our spiritual ancestors, the Jews and the Israelites, struggled with that reality. It would be so easy if God just took away that gift. But that's the same gift that we have struggled with ourselves when we have stumbled and nearly fell, when we have slipped off the path and wandered from the way of righteousness. God didn't take God's love and gift away from us. God remained with us. And it is to this that the psalmist testifies even now today. And that is that despite spending all of this time and energy considering the lofty and the rich and the powerful by earthly standards, at the end of the day, what really changed things for the psalmist was coming into the sanctuary of God, coming to worship and being in the presence of God and others and being reminded that this isn't a short-term play, that our religiosity, our spirituality as Christians is about eternity. It is about learning to run this race with perseverance and walking the good walk all of our days until we enter into the kingdom and that burden is removed from us. It's the struggle that we have every day. Sometimes spending so much physical energy, mental energy, time, and spiritual energy in trying to be obedient and be a good disciple and then still having things fall apart and not having things work out the way that we would hope or the way that we thought they were going to go. And then seeing somebody who couldn't care less about Jesus seem to thrive. It's hurtful. It can be harmful. And ultimately, the psalmist asks for a reconciliation for that. And arrives at some an answer, even though there's not a perfect one. We are no different. We see people that 
are not doing what they're supposed to do, not by God's standards or anybody else's. And we see people who continue to seem to have everything that they want. They don't seem to be experiencing any troubles or trials or tribulations, not with their health or with their financial security or their power and authority here on earth. And we wonder how that could be. And then that's when we are invited to recall the next part of the song. And that is that all of us are going to have our day before the risen Savior. The day when he will decide who will spend all eternity with him. And who has forsaken that and does not want to be there. That's a day where we recognize that even though we have not been perfect, even though we have tried and much to our own abhorrence have failed, that because we chose to continue to walk the walk alongside of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we will have a place to call home for all eternity. And that's a struggle for us. We are in some difficult times. Many of us have struggled with financial security or with fears of our health or the health of our loved ones. Many of us have even found resentment for not being able to live our lives in the way that we had that allows us to gather for worship, that allows us to fellowship with our friends and our family, our family of faith. These kinds of things become oppressive. And if we don't take time to reconnect with God, then they can truly destroy our goodness and our grace. Instead, we have to make sure that we are attentive to prayer. That is the greatest gift that we can use anywhere at any time. Because the most beautiful thing about prayer is that it is literally a lifeline. It is a connection to God, our God, the God of all creation, an eternal God who has known you and loved you since before the day of your birth. And this God has watched you, has sought to mold you through love and grace, and has certainly never forsaken you, and promises that God is not about to start doing that now either. That's the gift that we receive every year at Advent. It is about preparing because life changes between Christmas to Christmas, but God's love does not. And it is not a story that we would have expected. That's sometimes the fallacy of our nativities in our homes. I have them everywhere in my home, except the bathrooms. I have not put them in the bathrooms. Uh, I can't quite reconcile that imagery. However, they are in every other room in my house. They are literally on my kitchen counter. They are in my dining room. They are in every bedroom. They are certainly in my living room. They are everywhere. And as is our tradition in my household, none of them have a baby Jesus yet because all the baby Jesus are gathered in one little basket. And then on Christmas morning, my son will have his first duty of the day, and that is to correctly home the correct Jesus with the nativity. And then we'll have our time to celebrate and truly revel in the arrival of our Lord and Savior. But being around all these nativities and decorating yesterday for hours on end really made me think about how our nativities can be almost too perfect and too pretty. It's not a perfect story. In fact, if we get really into the reality of the story, we find out that it's kind of a depressing story. You had this, this betrothed couple, Joseph and Mary, and Mary is very clearly great with child. And they have to make an arduous, horrible journey to Bethlehem. 
to the ancestral home of Joseph's family. And all of his extended family and his close family are having to do the same thing. And they're not going there for a family reunion and some fun and fellowship. Instead, they're going because there's a census and they're about to be counted. And back in these days, a census was not fun and it meant that there was dark things looming for them. It meant that there was going to be a hike in taxes. It meant that there was probably going to be a conscription so that those in your family would now have to serve in the foreign oppressor's military. All of those things did not inspire and make people feel confident. They were horrible things that had drastic consequences in how people lived and felt even before they were implemented. And so they made that journey, and we often, you know, try to make it prettier by picturing, well, at least Mary got to ride a donkey. Well, if I were that pregnant, I would hope I got to ride the donkey too. But where they were going, there should have been a place for them. They were gathering with all of his family and his, and his extended family, aunts and uncles and cousins, grandparents, and yet nobody wanted to give them a place. The town was overflowing with people so that there wasn't even a room to rent. And they found themselves in a stable, a place that wasn't considered fit for people. That's where we stuck animals. And there they will spend not just a night, but you would have gone and stayed for many days. It's going to take time to count. As we have recently seen, even with our technology, counting still takes time. And so these people would have been stuck in that position for many days, which is why it's appropriate to set up our nativities now and then to add the characters as we go along. Because for right now, poor Mary and Joseph are all alone in a stable with some animals to keep them company. And they live their days seeing people to whom they are related people that they love, but people who wouldn't make a place for them because they didn't understand. They disagreed with the choice that Joseph made to marry her, even though she's clearly pregnant out of wedlock, because the family couldn't understand what God was doing in Mary and Joseph. And so they did what many people do. They shunned them, they rejected them, and they left them to be forsaken even in the midst of a city bustling with people. And so when we take a look at the nativity, what we're not seeing is the harsh reality of being in a place with so many people but feeling utterly alone. And perhaps that resonates in a new way this year. How can we live in the midst of so many people and yet day after day feel so isolated and alone? And as I've been getting myself ready for Christmas, I started listening to Christmas music, both secular and sacred. And this morning when I turned on my Christmas list and I started singing, I'll be home for Christmas, it had an entirely different meaning than I wanted it to have. I'll probably be very home for Christmas. But that's not how we envision our story, is it? That's not how we desire to spend Christmas But that's precisely what the story is about. That two people who used prayer to stay connected with God and to be grounded in God's guidance, providence, and love had been directed to this place. And there, they felt very alone and isolated. They felt very ignored and not cherished, but 
things were already in motion. God was already working so that upon the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God was going to send many, many people to not only come and see them and visit with them and honor their sacrifice and their struggles, but God was even going to send angels to proclaim what a beautiful thing God had brought forth in the midst of their isolation and their feeling so lost and wayward. That's precisely the message that so many of us are going to need to hear this year. And throughout this, every day, we're going to need to pray. Prayer is God's way of infusing us with God's strength. When we feel weak, when we feel overwhelmed by our fears and our anxieties and our struggles, whether they're financial or physical or mental or spiritual, when we feel all of these things threatening to overwhelm and overcome us, and perhaps even threaten our ability to survive. That is precisely when we pray. Because unlike every other human being, Jesus Christ never has forsaken us. And God never says, you know what, it's been a long day, and let's just pick this up tomorrow. Whether you are reaching out to God through prayer at 3 p.m. or 3 a.m., God the God of all the heavens and the earth, that God stops, receives you, listens to you, and seeks to give you what you need to persevere. And that's why prayer is so powerful. That's why it is so important that we don't let that slide or cease altogether because Christ came as an answer to prayer. For generation after generation, God's people had been crying out individually and collectively, asking for God to not just hear them, but to help them. And God did. In the fullness of time came the Christ child on that fateful Christmas night. And even now, in the midst of our modern struggles as disciples and Christians, God is once more coming to us to give us what we need not just to persevere and to make it through eking out survival, but to help us find true joy and celebration even in the midst. So yes, Advent and Christmas might look very different for us this year, but it didn't look or feel the same as anything else had the first Christmas either. And our ability to allow God to work through things to help us relive and reinvigorate our celebration will be only accomplished through the power of prayer. It is important for us when we feel that we are overwhelmed or when we feel completely disconnected or we start to feel hopeless and helpless to use that gift. It is a heart line. It is a direct connection with our God. And when we have alienated our family and our friends, when we have failed and we are suffering and languishing in the ways that we have not done what we had hoped or what others had hoped for hope for us, then it is precisely at that moment that the power of our connection to God and the relationship that God is willing for us to embrace becomes everything. And that is truly what we are working towards celebrating this year. It is a relationship that has endured wars, plagues, 
pandemics, violence, systemic oppression, and untold human sin. But at the end of the day, when all of those things pass or cease or are transformed, God's love and relationship for us remains. And God says, you hear in the story about Joseph and Mary, no one wanted to open their homes, much less their hearts, to these poor parents of Jesus. And yet, God is telling us that there is a place for us, and that if we continue to strive and connect and to reach out and be diligent about our relationship with God, that there is a place where we always have a seat at the table, where we always have a room in God's home, where we will never be shunned and shunted to a stable, where we will never find ourselves alone even in the midst of so many. For there is a place, not only in God's heart, but in God's home eternal in the heavens, for every person that wants that promise. And that's what we are preparing to tell the world. Jesus was the first time that people could really hear it and see it and feel it. And our journey in Advent, culminating in Christmas, is really reminding a world that feels so isolated, broken, separated, and sick, that that is still happening. It is still true. It is true for me. It is true for you. And it is true for someone who can't believe with any ounce of their being that that same God cares, much less knows them. May all that we do in the weeks ahead, preparing for Christmas in new and innovative ways, prepare us to tell that gospel truth. That there are those who feel like they aren't even going to be invited into the city of Bethlehem. But they have a place at the feet of God, in God's heart, and in the kingdom to come. And our duty is to not just be reminded of that, but to tell it to those who need to know. And may that be what inspires us, encourages us, and connects us to stay in prayerful union with one another and with our God. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.